Good morning and welcome. We're glad that you're here today. If you're visiting, as always, we encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We're thankful for such a beautiful day, the opportunity that we have to be together as God's people to worship Him in spirit and in truth. We're going to be looking today at Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. I want to call your attention to Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, the passage that Dusty read a moment ago. As we think about the theme, the church, without a pulse. In Revelation chapters 2 and 3, we have a survey of the seven churches of Asia. There were some congregations that had both good and bad attributes. The Lord, no doubt, commended them for the things that they were doing right and admonished them for things that they were doing wrong. One congregation in particular, nothing good was said about it. But I want us to look specifically today at chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, as we think about the church without a pulse. As we contemplate this particular, this particular church, I want to remind you that God is interested in the church. He's interested in us, individually speaking, because we make up the church. And at the onset of our lesson, as we think about this congregation of God's people, it's somewhat incredible to me that they lacked a pulse because Jesus said that they were dead. And so it's difficult for us to imagine a Christian that no longer has a pulse, but really that's what we're talking about. And so as we look at this lesson and as we think about the theme, the church with no pulse, I want to begin today by talking about the Lord's assessment of the saints in Sardis. Consider with me, if you would, what is said beginning in verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. By way of examination, Jesus had the ability, because he is omniscient, Jesus had the ability to peer into the very heart of this congregation. And he could form an analysis and thus give his conclusion. And so as you begin to look at Revelation chapter 3 and as you peer into the church at Sardis, what stands out is they had a glowing reputation in the community. Jesus said, look, you have a name that you're alive. What a reputation. I mean, when you stopped people on the street in Sardis and talked about the church there, no doubt those who thought about this congregation would have given a glowing report. They would have said this is a vibrant, working, active church. And so Jesus examines the very heart of this congregation. And by way of reputation, his assessment was, you're alive and well. But here's what he says by way of evaluation. You're dead. Just think about that for a minute. Here is a congregation of God's people 
And he's saying that based on what others are saying, you're alive and well, all is good. But he said, when I look into the very heart of this church and I begin to analyze her members, I see that in all reality, you're dead. You're like a pulse. Now, what about a divine perspective? As we think about this church without a pulse, and we're talking about saints who lack a heartbeat, how could that happen? What are some signs of a dying saint? Because as we all know, saints make up the church, collectively speaking. Let me just cite for you some things that I believe contribute to a dying saint. Number one, malnourishment. We understand that if we don't eat, if we fail to have a proper diet, then it can lead to death, physically speaking. Spiritually speaking, if you fail to feed on God's word, you'll die. Do you remember what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2? He said, as a newborn baby, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Sometimes we are fascinated at how quickly children will grow. I think about an infant. That baby is born into the world and he or she begins to feed on milk. Before you know it, that baby's eating solid food. Before you know it, that baby's a teenager. Well, it's important, spiritually speaking, for us to feed on God's word. Peter would say in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's imperative that we spend time feeding on God's word. I strive to stress the importance of reading and studying and meditating on the scriptures, of feeding on this word. Sometimes individuals are careless and casual in their study of the word of God. We need to be in this book every day because it will build a wall of defense around us and aid us as we strive to live a Christian life. Sometimes people just open the book, they'll read a passage or two, maybe they'll do it a day or two, and then they'll lay it aside, pick it up again a week later. You've gotta be in this book every day. Just as it is important for us to eat a good meal two or three times a day, it's imperative that we spend time in this book. Do you remember, the, you remember the psalmist of old whose meditation was on the law of the Lord and he said in that law he meditated both day and night? Paul would say, study to show yourselves approved unto God. And so spending time feeding on this book. Let me give you a second reason why some saints die. Heart disease. Heart disease in our world is a leading cause of death. And there are a lot of folks that have picked up habits that have contributed to heart disease. 
Spiritually speaking, if we're not careful, we too can have heart disease. That's why Solomon would say in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Do you take care of your heart? We're talking about the inner man. Do you make sure that this heart is protected? Think about people that exercise regularly, that watch their diet. And some of these, some of these things that we're talking about are interrelated. If you eat a poor diet and you fail to exercise, you fail to take care of yourself, then in all probability, you're going to have heart problems. By the same token, if you are not careful and guard your heart, as Solomon said, you're going to have heart problems. Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 12, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. The Hebrew writer would talk about an evil heart of unbelief. It is imperative that we guard our heart, that we feed on things that will produce righteousness and godliness and holiness. What's the old saying? Garbage in, garbage out. If we don't take care of our heart, we're going to be in real trouble. There's a third thing that I want to cite for you, and that is the possibility of a malignancy. Now, we're all familiar with malignancies in our world today, and we understand that if somebody has a cancerous malignancy, that that cancer needs to be removed immediately. And the reason is because it can grow and spread and ultimately lead to death. By the same token, if we're not careful, spiritually speaking, we can develop internal malignancies, cancers, that can lead to spiritual death. I think about what Paul said in Galatians chapter 5 when he talked about the works of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, licentiousness. And then I'm reminded of what he told the church at Corinth about how, about how the unrighteous would not inherit the kingdom of God. Those that engaged in fornication, adultery, idolatry, homosexuality, those who became thieves and covetous, who engaged in lives of drunkenness, extortion, etc. If you have sin in your life, and I'm talking about habitual sin, please listen very carefully. It will kill you. Do you understand what I'm saying? It will kill you. It will kill you spiritually. The Bible says the soul that sins, it shall surely die. In Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Sometimes there are individuals within the church that for whatever reason go back into the world and they pick up habits that are unbecoming of a child of God. 
and they begin living like the world and acting like the world. They conduct themselves like someone who belongs to the world. They have a cancer growing inside them and that cancer will kill them. If you have a malignancy, if it's not expunged from your life, you'll die. There's a fourth factor that I believe can lead to a dying saint, and that is a stroke. Now, sometimes when we talk about a stroke, we understand that there are many strokes, TIAs, and then there are some that have suffered a massive stroke. When I was a teenager, I used to cut grass to make money. I remember that one of the families that I cut grass for on a regular basis, the man, the husband, the father, had a massive stroke in his early 50s. He was an executive. It paralyzed one side of his body. It disabled him. He later had heart problems. Again, we talk about how these things are interrelated. He was never the same again. There are people that will have a physical stroke in our world today. And that stroke will impair their physical and sometimes their mental abilities. Sometimes a stroke can impair one's vision. Now, spiritually speaking, what am I talking about? If you have a spiritual stroke, you become a disabled child of God. What, that, what, what happens is your judgment becomes clouded. Your perception is not what it ought to be. Let me give you an example. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul talks about those who mind earthly things. They're not seeing things as they ought to be seeing them. He said, now, our citizenship is in heaven, whence also we wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Is it possible for us to become so enamored with the things of this world that we forget about God? We forget that we are strangers and pilgrims on earth. That we forget about heaven. We forget about who we are and what we are and whose we are. As a result of that, we begin, we begin self-indulging. We take our eyes off of the cross. And it's all about the here and now. Please listen very carefully. There are people in the church that have suffered a disability, so to speak. And those in the church that have become disabled, they're not thinking right, they're not acting right, they're not looking at things the right way. In essence, they're a dying saint. Now, let me give you a second point to consider in our study today, and that is the Lord's admonition to these saints. As we think about his admonition to these saints, I want to suggest that what we have is a prescription for them to get better. 
Listen again to what he says. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. So, what about the Lord's remedy? What about the great physician's remedy to these saints? Here's the remedy. Number one, these people, they needed to be revived. He said, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. They needed a revival. Let me tell you something that occurred just a few days ago in the city of Memphis. I was talking to a friend of mine that was telling me about a coworker of his. And he said that this particular gentleman had been trying to lose weight. I think he was in his late 40s. He said one day at work, he was sitting at his desk, and his boss came running in and said, call 911 now. Coworker had passed out. Hit a portion of glass, hurt his head. The bottom line, he wasn't breathing. Fortunately, when he fell out, there were two coworkers that had a military background they immediately began performing chest compressions. No sign of life. They're alternating, compressing this man's chest. No pulse. A friend of mine said that they had a defibrillator at the office. They called for the defibrillator. They get to the man with the defibrillator. Again, no pulse. By this time, this man is turning blue. His lips are turning blue. They take the defibrillator, place those instruments on the chest, shocking. Nothing. They do it a second time. No life. The third time, they got a pulse. That fella, had he not had this heart attack at work, in all probability would have died. They had to shock him back. Now here's my point. Sometimes as Christians, we need somebody shocking us back to life. We're dead. We are dead as a hammer. And we need somebody reviving us. We need to get a pulse again. The psalmist said, revive us again that our hearts may rejoice in you. We need to be revived. We need to remember who we are and what we are and whose we are. Now there's a second remedy that is given by the Lord. Number one, they needed to be revived. Number two, they needed to remember. He said, remember therefore how you have received and heard. I want to ask you a question. Do you remember the day that you were baptized into Christ? Do you remember that day? 
All of us can remember that day if it was a special day, and it should have been a special day. You remember when you stood before your friends and your family members and you said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? You had already made up your mind. You were going to repent of your sins, just as Peter had said to those people on Pentecost Day in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. You knew that you needed, to, you needed to be baptized or immersed in a watery grave of baptism so that your sins could be washed away. When you came up out of that water, you thought about what a great and glorious day it was because you were a child of God. You were a part of the kingdom. You were a part of the Lord's body. You were numbered among the saved. I remember when I was baptized as a teenager and I thought about how safe and secure I felt. I was secure. You remember that day? You remember the words of Paul when he said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Do you remember that? Let me ask this question. What happened? What happened? Let me give you a third thing that is a remedy offered by the Lord. Not only were these saints in need of reviving, not only did they need to remember, but the Bible says that these folks needed to repent. He said, hold fast and repent. The remedy is to go back to the Lord. You see, Jesus is interested in you as a person. We talk about how the Lord is interested in the church. He is interested in the church. It is his blood-bought body. Individually speaking, we make up the church. We're a part of the body of Christ. And so what these folks needed to do was demonstrate genuine, heartfelt repentance. And by that, all the Lord was saying is, you need to make a turn, you need to make a change in your lives. You're dead, but you can come to life again. Now, here's the danger. Listen, if you would, to what the Lord said to these saints. We talk about the great physician's remedy for these people. But there is also the great physician's reminder to these people. Here's what he said. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. All Jesus is saying to this congregation is this. If you don't get your life in order, individually speaking, if you don't get things set back where they need to be in your lives, I'll come in judgment on you. And what the Lord meant was he would come and remove their candlestick. He'd shut them down. Thirdly, and very quickly, consider if you would the Lord's assurance to the saints in Sardis. 
Here is the prognosis to this congregation of his. Here's what he says, beginning in verse 4. And I want you to think about, first of all, his regard for the obedient. He said, you have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white. Why? Because he said they're worthy. Jesus here is singling out the faithful few. You see, the vast majority of people within that congregation, they were dead. He said, oh, I know you have a name that you're alive and well. Everything's going well with you. But let me tell you what, you're dead. But now, amidst that congregation of dead saints, Jesus said, there are some of you, there are a few that haven't defiled your garments. There are some of you that are faithful. You're living like you ought to be living. But I want you to see his reassurance. Look at verse 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Did you know when you became a child of God, that God added you to the church and that he put your name in the book of life? Jesus said on one occasion, rejoice. Why? Because your names are written in the book of life. Your name has been penciled in to God's divine registry. He has you on his roll. You're a part of his body. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer talks about those of us who belong to the church of the firstborn. That is, we belong to God. That's all he's saying. He said, who are registered in heaven. Your name has been entered on God's divine registry. And so what Jesus is saying is, what he's assuring these saints who are living faithfully, he's saying, number one, your name's going to be in the book of life. And number two, I will confess your name before my Father in heaven. There's an inference here. The inference is, if we're not conducting ourselves as we ought to, as God's children, here's what he'll do. He will remove our name from the book of life. Now, God doesn't want to do that. But if, you're, if your life is not what it ought to be, if you're not living right, thinking right, acting right, doing right, please listen very carefully. Your name's not in the book of life. Oh, you may have been baptized into Christ. You may have been added to the body of Christ. But it's not in the book of life. Why? Because you're dead. You can't go to heaven if you are a dead saint. Here, here is the Lord and he's looking at this church. And he's checking their vital signs and the vital signs are not there. They're not present. He can't find a pulse. I want to ask you a question. If God, if the Lord were to place his finger on your pulse, spiritually speaking, could he find a pulse? If the Lord checked your pulse, would he find a beating heart? There are some folks in the church that have been dead a long, long 
time. There's a lot more to Christianity than just coming to church, coming to worship. There's a lot more to Christianity than just coming to Bible study. Oh, those things are important, but that's not all there is. What's important is that we live a faithful, godly life day in and day out. I want to ask you a question. If the Lord were to, if, if he were to assess your spiritual life, what would his assessment be? Would he say that you are a living saint, a dying saint, or a dead saint? Only three possibilities. You're either a living saint, you're a dying saint, or you are a dead saint. The beauty is, if you're a dying saint, a dead saint, saint you can come home. You can come back to God. God will take you back. Why? Because he loves you. Because he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is interested in you as a person. He's interested in every single one of us. If, if one of us were to miss heaven, it would not be by divine design. God thinks enough of you. As we close today, I want to ask you, have you been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins? Have you obeyed the gospel? Just as they did on Pentecost Day when Peter said, repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Have you done that? If you haven't, today's the day to do it. Why? Because God will add you to the church. You'll be among the redeemed, the cleansed, the saved. I want to ask you a second question. Are you a Christian? If you're a Christian, do you have a pulse? What do you think about your life? Do you have a pulse? One day, we'll step outside this life and they'll take our earthly body and they'll place it in the ground because there's no pulse. But more importantly, if we don't have a spiritual pulse when we step outside this, this life, let me just say it as plainly as I know how. We're in a lot of trouble. I can't tell you how much trouble you'll be in. So do you have a pulse? If you don't have a pulse, it's time to be revived. You need to come too before it's too late. Would you come as we stand and sing?